The following podcast is brought to you by OpenG Records. Recently, principal clarinetist of the St. Louis Symphony and OpenG artist Scott Andrews called in to the Open Season podcast. He called in because he was on stage during the recent Requiem for Michael Brown protest that took place in Powell Hall in St. Louis a couple of weeks ago. In this interview, he talks about his personal reaction to it, what it was like being on stage while it unfolded, and what it might mean to classical music and to the city of St. Louis in particular. This interview is just an excerpt of a full podcast you can find, as well as others like it, on OpenGRecords.com, and if you search for OpenG Records on iTunes. Okay, so I want to welcome to the podcast right now my friend, Open G artist and principal clarinetist of the St. Louis Symphony, Scott Andrews. Scott, thanks for coming on the phone today. Oh yeah, glad to be here. So um, we're talking today on the podcast about the artist's role uh, in society and sometimes uh, the artist as uh, as an activist. So uh, it's kind of interesting that in the St. Louis area, and the Ferguson area, this stuff has been going down recently and yeah. there was a protest recently at the St. Louis Symphony. Were you on stage during that protest? I was. And that was during the Brahms Requiem, right? It was actually just prior to the Brahms Requiem. Um, Yeah, we had had all come out on stage, we had tuned, um, the the conductor came out, the audience applauded, he turned to kind of, you know, compose himself and get ready, start to, you know, with these somber tones and and as he was standing there on the podium facing the orchestra, someone started singing in the audience. Um, it was a very kind of a strange experience. At first, you just you, you think, oh no, you know, you've got some uh, some person who's so so they're already thinking about the piece, and they they begin to sing, and then you start thinking, oh no, and we've got someone who's maybe a little bit off out there and who doesn't realize what's happening. Right, like a, like and an then, old person's having a problem or something like that. Right, someone's having a problem, and and. Um, you're not really thinking too much about it. You don't, no one reacts right away. The conductor's still standing facing the audience, and then someone else joins in the singing, and then someone else. And very quickly you realize you're dealing with essentially a flash mob. Right, a happening. Um, yeah, and then um, and so then the conductor turns around just to look out at the audience and see what's going on. And it, and it came, there were... Is this your regular, uh, the regular conductor for the symphony, or was this a guest conductor? Uh, it, was a, it was a guest conductor. It was a guest conductor. And uh, so, and he had never been with the symphony before, <laughs> and so uh, this was his first experience, and this was the first performance of the series of Brahms Requiem performances. So this was his first time taking a stage in front of an audience with the orchestra. Oh, man. And uh, I think it was very, uh, it was like uh, an out-of-body experience. I'm sure, an out-of-mind experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so and, and, yeah, please, please, you ask, uh, lead me. <laughs> so, um, so the experience slowly dawned on you that it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't, was it like five to 10 seconds that you were like, oh shit, this is, or was it more like two or three seconds? You're like, wow, okay, this is happening right now. Uh, you know, it was probably closer to five to 10 seconds okay. because it, it, it took, a, uh, it took about that long for other people to join the first the first person singing, and it wasn't until there were a number of voices that you realized you were dealing with a thing. I see, and you know? they they unfurled a, a banner from the from the balcony as well. Is that correct? They did. Probably about fifteen twenty seconds into the singing of the spiritual, they um, they unfurled three banners from three different places from the balcony, um, and then of course when the banners came down, you immediately knew what you were dealing with. 
it right. because they, they they said Requiem for Mike Brown and they had a painting of his face and his his ears and you you realized immediately that you were dealing with a with a sort of a, a protest although it didn't feel at all like a, like a, to call it a protest is is a little strange I mean it was more. Um, uh, like a like a, a, a requiem for Mike Brown. I mean, really, it felt like an elegy. Yeah, you know, they were singing this this spiritual. It became more, I guess, protest like at the end when they when they finished their spiritual and then they all turned to leave. And at that point, our house staff was there, kind of guiding them out. But they that was obviously their plan all along to sing their song and then go. Right. Uh, so they they all turned to leave and then they started chanting Black Lives Matter as they left. And that started to feel more more like a protest, but it was just all in part of their their message uh, of the evening, which I think was basically to say, you know, don't don't forget about us. We don't live in your neighborhood. Um but uh but but this you know, this thing that has come to the forefront with Mike Brown is something that happens a lot more than you might you might think it is in your, you know, maybe uh, more sheltered life. What um, what was the mood of the orchestra? Uh, did did so? Did did they file out and then the conductor turn around and you start again or or start for the yeah. first time? Well, we had to wait a, a good solid two minutes after they actually left the auditorium because they were up in the balconies and so they had to file all the way down the stairs outside mm-hmm. the auditorium. Mm-hmm. You could hear them the entire time as they got out into the lobby and they continued to chant all the way out onto the street. So not until they got out of the building uh, was it quiet enough that we could actually start. Then the conductor just stood again facing the orchestra with his head down, waited for all of the all of the noise to exhaust itself and, um, and then just took a breath, looked at the orchestra and gave the down beat. Then we just played. Did you, were you distracted during the performance, or did you, uh, did you... uh, you were thinking about it, you know, I mean, um, it was, you have to, it it took, I think, a few minutes for us all to re, uh, reset ourselves, you know, reset our minds. Right. To, to play music, you know, you get into a certain mode, like I said, we had already tuned the audience had quieted down. The conductor had come out. All the applause had subsided. We were we were in our headspace, right? And then we were taken out of it for a few minutes, and we had to get that back again. And I think we got it back as we were playing. So it took some time, and for the chorus too. We have a chorus, it's a right. volunteer chorus. Uh, they're not they're not daily performers like we are. Uh, so for them, this was. Uh, you know, a much more special experience to be standing up on stage behind the orchestra and getting ready to sing, and all of a sudden, they're they're taken out of that. Right. And I, I would say I would say that's probably the only the only part of it that I that I regret is that um, that we we did have to if we were in a we were in a space we were getting ready to do something and we were interrupted of our, in our process. Right. Um, but I, you know, when I when I step back and think about it, I I think the whole the whole reason for what they did that evening was to kind of displace everybody, make everybody slightly uncomfortable, and to think about something else for a second, and to think about actually what we were about to do in performing the requiem uh, as as something that is very um, 
appropriate in our lives at this moment. It's not just something that was written by moms 150 years ago, right. but uh, but is something that's relevant to us all today for this reason. And they showed us very clearly the reason that it's relevant to all of us today. That's uh, um, that's all. That's an interesting outlook on it. Let me. You you said before that it's not in your neighborhood. How far? How far is Symphony Hall from Ferguson? Symphony Hall is like straight downtown in, in, in St. Louis, right? Well, I, I mean, Symphony Hall is um, probably a good 12 to 15 miles from the town of Ferguson. But Symphony Hall is, it is the last bastion of uh, the sort of cultural institutions in St. Louis. Physically, geographically, the last the last cultural building or you cross the street and go into North St. Louis, which is um, a, a much uh, core section of a section of town with, uh, with say, um, you know, a lot less privileged, certainly you could put it that way. Right. Um, so Symphony Hall it, kind of marks the tracks a little bit. It, it, it does. And the other side of the tracks are right there. It's right. still St. Louis, so we're not Ferguson. I mean, they were they were ten or twelve miles away from you know the the whole Michael Brown uh, area, but it's very what happened there between the police and and Michael Brown and the community and the government of the community um, is uh, something that probably is is going on in North St. Louis quite quite a bit as right. as, as well right. as it as it goes on in Ferguson. So it, it was. It's close geographically to where we were, but you know our clientele and the and the people sitting on the stage. We we don't we don't live or come from right. North St. Louis. A lot farther than twelve even. miles away. Uh, right, yeah. right, and and it's not so much about geography as it is, uh, you know, it, emotional and um, and uh, financial. Yeah. Um, you know, it's we're we're very far away right. from from all that the you know the, the, the Michael Brown community, the Ferguson community, um, and the North St. Louis community um, are. And um, so, I thought it was, it was actually kind of an interesting coming together um, in that these group of uh, quote-unquote protesters, they were incredibly thoughtful, I think, in how they were going to go about doing this. They yeah. wanted to get their statement across. They wanted to get it across to our particular audience. And we were, uh, Saturday night broadcast is our, uh, or Saturday night concert is our radio broadcast. Is uh, that a live? Is that a live broadcast? Uh, right. So so it goes out to just a lot of people. And I, they, they wanted to be able to reach these people, guys. Sorry. Uh, they wanted to be able to reach these people, um, and uh, they they did it by thinking about what we were performing and trying to come up with uh, something, an experience that was going to be relevant right. to actually what we were doing in the hall that night. Well, and they to... called it themselves a requiem for Mike Brown. They dropped confetti from the balcony down to the audience below right. that that uh, that said requiem for Mike Brown on it and had his you know, uh, his years on there, and uh, they 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 really thought about what they were doing. They sang the spiritual, um, you know, which side are you on? Which, um, 
you know, people have debated back and forth here about the political statement of that. Right. But, uh, but it's a spiritual, really, and it's a civil rights song. And, um, and they were trying to, I think, make what we were doing relevant to them in their community. Right, to meet well. you guys where you are, in, in yeah. a way. Yeah. All right, Scott, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're having a super busy day, as always, with the kids and the job and all that stuff. So thanks for calling in, yeah. and uh, really yeah, appreciate it. All right, man.